Okay. Okay, stop me if you've heard this one. A man with one black glove walks into a bar. He orders a whiskey, neat, and then the whole bottle. He soon finds himself face down on the bar where he sees the vision of a woman drowning in water. So he calls his friend. She tells him, Well, boss, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The bad news is you're batshit crazy. The good news is that really doesn't matter. A couple of mob goons are about to kill you because you failed to exercise the demon that was possessing their boss's daughter. I didn't say it was a good joke. The punchline, of course, was Wormwood, Season 1. A mystery novel in 24 chapters, and the joke was all on Dr. Xander Crow, the victim of a cruel fate. Or he would have been, if the story had ended there. We have come a long way since then, haven't we, folks? I'm David Acampo, one of the creators of Wormwood, and I'm back again to bring you the final installment of our Wormwood Portraits Postmortem series. As you know by now, Postmortem is our special behind-the-scenes look at the creation and production of our show. So if you're discovering Wormwood for the first time, you need to turn back, go back, find Episode 1 and Season 1, and catch up with the rest of us. And for those of you left listening, as you know, Wormwood Portraits is a critical part of our third season, our final season. Portraits has allowed us to dig a little deeper into specific characters while setting up a lot of the foundation we felt was necessary to launch us into that stunning conclusion, the final arc of our series, which will be called Wormwood Revelation. Now, in previous postmortem episodes, we've talked with the writers, we've announced a contest, we've plugged a few different things, And we also put up the first half of an actor's roundtable discussion in which our actors answered your listener questions. So now, the second half of that conversation. Which scene has affected you the most emotionally and how did it make you feel? Hmm. There, there was a scene in I think it was season two the, it was the one it was also another Vegas uh, episode but it was mostly just Jimmy and Sparrow and then she was telling her whole backstory about the vampire and uh, the very end of it when I when Jimmy asked like is that why you wear the uh, I think it was a ribbon around your neck yeah, and that's the yeah. time story yeah, but I think I'd gotten that script like the night before or something, and I read it many times, but I was probably just reading my lines, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, then when we actually recorded it, and I got to that line, and I'd been listening to Sonia the whole time, and then I realized what was going on. That actually, uh, I, I was, you know, I was actually affected by it, like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that because I wrote yeah. that one. <laughs> that was that was that's uh, remains one of my favorites um, in terms of how we handled uh, Sparrow's story in that one, and so I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I, I, I like that one. I, one of my most emotional ones was just recently in the uh, the Wormwood Portraits, the Criminal Tales. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don Marino's speech in front of his wife's grave. I don't know. I mean, it was a long speech, but I really got into it emotionally. And I know I actually had a tear in my eye when I finished the speech. But for some reason, it was just so well written that it felt so natural to do it like that and to get the emotion to come up the way it did. I mean, it's very hard to express the emotion when you're doing a a, a fake voice and it's just the voice. You You can't show any other physical emotion. So I had to try to get it all out with that. But that really hit home with me. Um, so that, like, I mean, that's the most recent one that I can think of that emotionally got to me. And there have been other bits with Cedric and, and other scenes like that. But that one, just, it was so well done that I just, you know, I really got into, into that speech. It was, yeah. it, was, it was a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I mean, bedtime stories, definitely. Um, but I feel like there's been quite a few for Sparrow. Um the rape scene was also pretty intense. I mean, already being raped is bad enough, but then being raped by a demon, you know, and and uh, and all that, that was pretty intense too. Yeah, yeah. Like as far as like just the intensity of it. I think that your scene, your your scene with uh, with Xander at the end of uh, season two, the episode twenty three, where the death scene. Uh, I think there was some real good emotion in that one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's been yeah, there's still quite a few. And then for Ben, Ben, you had to be Chip Drexel and lose your um, lose your fiance. Yeah, that was that was a yeah, that was it was a very uh, emotional and um, yeah, the ending. I I uh, I like doing it. It was it was a nice um, you know it was a nice uh, I I I'm having loss of words. The that actor thing, getting to do something very emotional was Mm -hmm. was rewarding. So. yeah, it was sad. He lost. Yeah, he lost his fiance. Yeah, it was very tragic. All right. Well, it's uh, yeah. Absolutely. So I think we've all had a had a few. Um, I, I, you know, I actually can uh, chime in as an actor this time and say that uh, I had a t- with the scene in season two where I had to be Jacob and I had to come to this whole realization that my dad was out to kill me and and there's a whole scene where his dad's trying to get him to go in the car without him and he's just so confused about everything and I had had a hand in writing that episode but uh, you know actually trying to sit there and act it with you guys was really like. Uh, it was very challenging, and I actually did feel like I kind of hit a certain emotional point. And you know, I I really mm-hmm. defer to you guys as actors so much, but it was a, that was a moment where I got to you know kind of get into something, and it was it, that was a good experience for me. That was a, that was kind of an emotional experience for me to try, try and get into that char- that kid's head and try and figure out, boy, your life is just fucked up. Yeah. Good job. It's nice that. We have so many scenes of you know we we have a lot of humor and a lot of creepy elements in the show, but tend to forget sometimes that we have a lot of pretty meaty emotional stuff, mm-hmm. um, especially now that we've built up so much time with the characters. Yeah. I honestly yeah. have to say that I love the 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 whole dynamic that was be, that was beginning between Sparrow and Miss Ginter was really interesting for me 
because the creepiness and yes, the funniness was there, but there was something emotional going on underneath it. The strange maternal thing happening that was Mm -hmm. really creepy. It was really fun, but creepy. (laughs) Yeah. I like this last question from Alex Gerlina. I don't know if you're on this one, Jeremy, but uh, he he poses a, a question for you. Uh, Jimmy, for everyone, for all the actors, uh, uh, Jimmy Details has somehow roped you into – roped the characters you voice. Oh, okay, I see. Jimmy Details has somehow roped the characters that you voice. So Jimmy's roped you characters, your characters into joining his band because he's convinced it will slay the current demon that's going to destroy Wormwood. <laughs> What instrument do you play, and how do you make your exit when you realize Jimmy has tricked you into playing the, in the band for no good reason? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a whole episode in itself. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think Alex wants to write an episode of Wormwood. <laughs> yeah. Zoo. <laughs> what would Bishop Grail's instrument be, I wonder? An axe. <laughs> <laughs> What about like a pipe uh, organ? Harpsichord. <laughs> yeah, harpsichord. Church, church, church. What about uh, a razor uh, wafer, communion wafer? <laughs> oh. Oh. Ninja star communion wafer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Or, yeah, Rich, one of those think, tuning think, whistles. Cedric should have played the tambourine. <laughs> <laughs> Cedric would be excellent on the tambourine. You know, th- this is completely a behind-the-scenes thing, but uh, Jeremy, you'll probably remember this. Um, Tiffany, w- w- when we added some of the writers to our to our um, uh, to the to the crew, um, <laughs> we had them do a little uh, a little uh, uh, sample. Um, like they either had a choice; they could either give us another script so we could see how they did, or they could take the Wormwood characters and the series Bible, and they could write like a five-page script uh, based on the characters in the Bible. And so, really, without having heard anything of Wormwood, uh, Tiffany had written a, a script, and this is what got her on our onto the uh, into the writers' room. Um, and she had written one a Jimmy Details story where Jimmy Details takes up the didgeridoo. <laughs> <laughs> He wants to add it to his metal band for a whole new sound, and he ends up conjuring a demon or something like that. It was some crazy thing. <laughs> I can see Jonesy playing that instrument seriously, actually, too. Yes, I was right. say, he might have some very ancient, uh, simple instrument, I think. He plays it on a Norse horn. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, let's let's continue on then. Um, okay, Adnime is our next uh, set of questions, and there's a bunch here, so we're gonna try and knock these out. Um, some of this we kind of already answered. Uh, what was the recruiting audition process like for you? Did you know what you were getting yourself into? <laughs> God so. no. <laughs> Uh, Peter came to Jeremy's apartment. We had an in-person audition there. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And so he just came in. We sat down on the, you know, and and he read the he read the script. Uh, do you remember anything memorable about that? Or I remember I got there early. Someone else was auditioning, and I used Jeremy's bathroom. That was that was me, Peter. <laughs> what? That was that was me. It was Rob? Oh, okay. I was there. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. I was there doing my audition too. Okay. <laughs> I I do remember that I actually had uh, someone had hit my car like half an hour before that at Seven Eleven. Oh man! He, so they backed right into me from a foot away, and I honked, and they went forward, and then they backed into me again. Oh. 
and uh, no damage whatsoever because it was such a small little crash. But I remember right, I was in such a hurry to get over there, and someone had just hit me twice and looked me right in the eyes and acted like they didn't see me at all. Wow. So it was funny, though. It was a funny accident, so it was good because then I was in a funny mood when I auditioned. <laughs> right, clearly. <laughs> um, and, and then I don't remember, Sonia, did we do – do you audition in person? I think you did. Yeah. Right? You came over yeah, here. I, He's also, I yeah. also used his bathroom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think you just came in, and I remember you just doing Sparrow. And I kind of said to you, you know, I kind of hear her in my head as like Daria from MTV, the yeah. cartoon. And, yeah. And uh, you pretty much nailed that. And then for Rachel, I said more bubbly. You said, yeah, I think you kind of said you're going to do kind of more like your normal voice. And right. you nailed that. And I mean, I think our only concern was can we differentiate between those two enough? And I f- think that you've grown with that over time. I think you actually differentiate much more clearly and also just the roles as they're written are so different that I don't think anyone gets confused. Right, I've, I've never right. heard anybody say that about your characters is like, you know, Oh, well they're a little similar and it's hard to tell who's, you know, or anything like that. So, so, um, well, that's so, yeah, I, I think that, that <laughs> I remember that I specifically remember that with, with, uh, with you was like, wow, both of those voices are great, but should we have one person doing two of the main roles? And that was the first time we had actually considered that. Now most of you are doing two major roles, at least, yeah. in the show. But at the time, we were, like, thinking we're going to get, you know, maybe one or two people that could do multiple voices. But for the most part, the main cast was all going to be individual. And, uh, and, and, and we were like, but she's the best one. <laughs> she's got them both. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you say that because they felt really different to me. But, you know, when you're – but it's different when you're hearing it on the outside. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I've noticed several of you guys um, evolve that voice and get better at separating them further the more you do it. So I imagine that's just something that takes some time. Well, Um, my characters you keep killing off, so I don't have to worry about them. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is one true point is that uh, uh, Sonya's had the same two characters all the way through, so. I've played 24 different characters. There's only three of them (laughs) alive now. (laughs) Except for Rachel, technically is dead. <laughs> technically, she died in the very. She was the first death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, but she was dead and still did a whole season. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't, we, I'm sorry. Go didn't ahead. Zach? Uh, didn't every one of Zach's characters die? <laughs> he well, yes, except for they he were humiliated and then. He's still, he's yeah. still, he's still around. One of his characters is reanimated with That's a different, right. th- different creature inside it. So. That's right. <laughs> Um, okay, so Adnamay's next question is, how do you find the voices of these characters? Is it on your own or more through direction? How do you differentiate their voices if you're more than one person? We kind of are already talking about that. And are they based on a particular person or stereotype, a la Cindy Lauper for Miss Ginter? So we kind of have answered a lot of that already. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, some of the initial characters, there was a bit of direction. But a lot of the times, Jeremy and I will say, what do you got? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um I'm trying to think for Ben. Ben, you yeah. came in in season two, and I know Carefor we worked a lot on beforehand, but some of yeah. the other ones we just kind of threw at you with without much preparation. Yeah. Did we give you much instruction for, like, Chip or for uh, uh, Bishop Grail? I don't think we did, did we? I know Bishop Grail, gave me, like, a point of reference. Uh, okay. But um, I think Gra- uh, um, Drexel was, um, you know, I think you said you didn't want him to be flamboyant. Um, but you wanted that you wanted his uh sexual orientation to definitely come through um and 
Yeah, and then Careful, you gave me that great uh, that great video clip, um, mm-hmm. which I watched. You know, which was which was funny because the guy kind of it's like I kind of in I don't know if you remember the clip, but I I kind of like I was like oh that could possibly be Careful. I mean, kind of. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyone else have any addition? Or we kind of already covered everything, but if you have anything else to add. Oh, the only thing I do is like every one of the voices that I've done in the series is all based on either movie or television actors. That's I don't true. Do any, I, don't, I don't do anything original. Everything's copied from somebody else. I mean, it's true. I think you and Joe, we kind of go to for, you know, can you give us a, uh, uh, you know, give us this or give us that. And, and, and you guys generally go towards a, a, a sort of movie voice or something like that, you know, something we've heard before. Mm-hmm. But you do it well, so, you know, <laughs> and you make it your own, I think. One voice I thought was pretty, uh, pretty well done, and and a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be was, um, was the uh, special agent in the Brazier episode. I, I think we'd mentioned that it's an SNSA agent who was uh, new at the job, yes. way over yes. his head. Oh, that was such fun. And this was Ben's I mean, character, right? This Baba, was Ben's character, agent Bava. Agent Bava, right? Right. <laughs> that was that was it, hysterical. It, I mean, it was just it was, it was a very simple note. Just you're inexperienced, and that was it, really. <laughs> and then you stutter and stammer all the way through the episode at such a fever pitch. It was hysterical. <laughs> it was really, really funny. It's kind of, you know what it reminded me of? It, it sounded a little bit like Travolta in uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. Nice, nice. All right, I'm going to keep us moving along here. Um, if you could trade characters with anyone for one day, who who would you choose? Kind of did a little bit of that with the gender switching question, but if you, is there a character that you? Let me just kind of rephrase this a little bit. Is there a character that you that you're not doing that you'd like to do that somebody else is doing that you'd be like, oh, I would like, I would have liked to have done that character. Hmm. Character envy. Yeah, character envy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Do you have character envy for any other characters? I actually, I actually don't. I, I mean, I think everybody does a really good job and. You know, I like the characters that I've been given. Um, yeah. I'm just glad to be part of it. <laughs> um, you, you yeah. guys are me so busy, I can't even think about anybody but the ones you've already given me. That's right. <laughs> uh, which characters do you have the most sympathy toward? Who do you find to be the most evil? Hmm. I feel Sorry. bad for Lamora Haskell. <laughs> I felt so bad for her characters. Oh, God, yeah, the sympathy. She, it was so sad what happened to that poor girl. So I always felt bad for, this goes back to season one, I felt bad for Steve Haskell because he was only there for such a short time and he's like, you know, the bartender and you expect him to be around forever and he gets bumped off like the first one that gets killed. Of the <laughs> I felt really bad for him, you know. It's like, it wasn't his fault. The money man got him. You know, what the hell? Damn, I, <laughs> I feel Sorry, or for the rest of the people in the bar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the other characters, I know, like, my characters tend to be very black and white characters. There's very little gray in the middle, like Don Marino. I mean, there's a bad guy, okay? And then you got Cedric, who, although he's a vampire, is a good guy. And then, I mean, like, then you got Tom Bradley, who's, you know, the, the, the sheriff with the white hat, with the badge kind of thing. So there's not a lot of weirdness. So some of the minor characters I've done have had a little bit of the gray area. Mm-hmm. But you kill you guys kill them off after one episode, so I don't really get a chance <laughs> to, too much. to bring them back on a, a mysterious phone call out of nowhere. 
Uh, <laughs> I felt sorry for Brezier's sister. But... <laughs> oh, for having the two girls. Yeah. The, the, the twins, yeah. That was great writing. It really was. I always hate, I always think of the, any of those characters that either plot to use children to kill other people or, or plot yeah. to kill their own children. Those, those characters are always, always so evil. And, yeah. you know. The, the Nolans are such a great couple, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. That oh, one's yeah. that one from the, the writer's side. Evil. Yeah, that was dark. Really dark. The the from the writer's side, I can say that uh, uh, it's really tough to to to. You know, I don't want to give too much away behind the scenes, but you know, it is something that we really consider: is what makes this person do this to their children, or what you know, what, what thing could possibly get you to that point? So we put a lot of thought into making the motivations work and stuff like that. You know, not not trying to redeem the character, but you know, kind of going. I think on that idea that everyone is the is, everyone justifies their own actions. Everyone's the hero of their own story. So they're not going to mm-hmm. say like, "Oh, I'm just evil. I can't help it." You know, they have a reason for doing what they're doing, and they think it's the it's the it's the only choice they have at that time. And uh, so, you know, I think that I think Lynette falls into that camp, and we've got a lot coming up with Lynette actually and Tom. So that's going to be some real meaty stuff in, in the final the final series. Um, but uh, you know, that's something that we I think we spent a lot of time thinking about with uh, Jonathan Kidder and Peggy Nolan and all these characters. You know, how did they end up in this place where they would choose where they would make these choices? So, also the episode uh, Pete Man- the Pete Menno episode with the lake monster. Uh, his character was re- I mean, he wasn't in his right mind, but that was an episode when I was really like, "Wow, this guy is." Is really losing it. This guy's really disturbing. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question is: If you were to live in the world of Wormwood, who do you think you would be friends with? Who do you who do you think you're most like in personality? We already answered that part of it. So um, be careful <laughs> being friends with anybody in the town. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I'd, I'd move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why would you live in Wormwood? <laughs> Is there a wormwood adjacent? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be Lionsville. It got taken over by werewolves. Yeah, <laughs> the best shape. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think uh, I, I think I would like to hang out with Jimmy Details. He seems like somebody I would hang out with. <laughs> I think Deidre would be fun to hang out with too. Yeah. I think hanging around Brezier would not be fun. <laughs> uh, okay, what do your characters look like in your mind? That's a good question. Now, this one, okay, we're getting into a thing here before I'm going to preface this one a little bit. You know, this is a theater of the mind, and something that Jeremy and I even discussed early on was this idea of, you know, not to give too many. We can build in some visual indicators into the script and everything, but not to do too many, like, uh, we didn't want to associate photographs with the people or, or, or drawings too much or whatever, because we knew that would narrow it down into being, um, you know, that that person looks that way. Now, I think since then, we've kind of done a little of that here and there and kind of loosened it up because people, but I think it's after a point where people already sort of have an idea of what they look like in their mind. So, but that said, I mean, there's still a lot of interpretation when it's the theater of the mind. So your own characters, do you picture what they look like to you? Do you have a vision in your head? 
Well, I know I only have one question, and it's a question that has been bothering people for two years now. Does Tom Bradley have one of those 70s-style mustaches or not? <laughs> I know somebody had asked that question on the other, in the other forum. You know, does he have a little bit of a pot belly and a mustache, or does he still look like he did when he was, you know, captain of the, the quarterback of the football team? I, I personally have a vision in my own head when I do him of, of there was a really, really weird movie that came out, again, visualizing, movie called Slither. And I think yeah. it's, it's Neil Froleon, is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, oh, he said the one who's in Castle yeah. 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 That was my idea of what Tom Bradley would have looked like. In other words, he still All kept right. it together. Maybe a little bit older, a little more grayish on the hair maybe, but that's my idea of what he looked like. Not the pot-bellied, mustached sheriff. Right. That's about my vision too. That's pretty close to what we were talking about uh, early on when we were yeah. trying, to, trying to pinpoint what yeah. style – the the mustache guy would be Hank Mason. I I pictured him as sort of like a uh, 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 a big. He's like a big guy, you know, because he was a boxer and everything. But I looked at I saw him as like an older, like a Tom Selleck crossed with Clint Eastwood. You know, he's wearing these little reading glasses. You know, when he has to read because he's kind of older, but he's still this big guy that you know could take you out in a second if you needed to. And he's got a big mustache. I always saw him with the with the Magnum PI stash. So. <laughs> some of them are different like I always thought for example Bishop Grail I always get this image of somebody who looks like Robbie Coltrane you know, <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. But, but, but with the shorter hair and then with the clerical robes on and everything but you know whipping that sword out and everything else like that was my you idea mean, of Bishop Grail you mean the way he looked in Caravaggio you come close that nun's on the run yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's, that's it's another one yeah uh, Peter, do you have uh, do you picture Jimmy or Jones, Jonesy a certain way? You know, I've actually talked to my my girlfriend listens to the show and she really likes it. And I've talked to her about this before that I actually have a really hard time not thinking of the actors when I when I think of the character. Mm-hmm. And she had very specific ideas for each of the characters in her head. And I honestly, whenever I I think of the characters, I just think of the the person who's doing the voice and. Maybe that makes my uh, my imagination is uh, taking a day off there or something. But I have a hard time hard time doing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm right there with you too, Peter. Every time I listen to it, I see the actor. It is. It's hard for me too. I mean, if 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 you wanted to like play around with it and be like, oh, you know, but it wouldn't be the person doing the voice for it. But you Sonia I mean? or Peter, when you guys are thinking of your own characters, do you think of them differently, or do you think of it's just you inhabiting that? Because it's not a physical world. Like, obviously, if you're going to go on camera, you know, you're not picturing, you know, yourself differently. You're just going to be Sparrow. You're going to become Sparrow. But I don't think you think of them being physically different, right? But with this, you could conceivably, or maybe you don't. I don't know. I mean, that's a great actor's question. Do you guys think of the person you're playing as looking different? Almost like you're voicing an animated character in some, in, in sort of an odd way? Or do you just see yourself as that, as Jimmy in that moment or as Sparrow in that moment? Um, I I think of personalities more personality more than uh, the physical usually. So, so you I don't even I, think of the physical really. I don't usually. Okay. Actions. I think of the actions, but not the faces and mannerisms almost more mm-hmm. than more than the mm-hmm. real details. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the only thing that I really knew about Miss Ginter myself was that she was kind of small and moved in a very bird-like fashion that somehow got into my head and that she's bleach blonde. 
<laughs> and wear tangerine lipstick. Other than that, I've got nothing to see. But that's interesting. You did come up with a visualization of the character, which is that's kind of what I'm curious about. Yeah, it it so may it's... be something that more comes from the the listeners. If they're not, if you guys are engaging in it, and you have to become that character. Maybe you're not thinking so visually. In that case, you did certain parts, you know. Um, but it may be in other cases you don't. I guess that's kind of what I was thinking. You know, I've had to voice Jacob, but I was the second person to do it. And I also created, you know, was one of the people that created that character early on. And so I kind of maybe had a visualization of this teenage kid beforehand. So when I'm thinking, okay, how do I do that voice, you know, or how, how, how do I pretend to be him? I think I have to kind of think of someone else, you know? Yeah, I find that I, it's not like I have to visualize every detail, but I need the basic body type. Hmm least okay. in my head so I could see the way she would move more than I need the details of her face, her age. That could be left up to anything, but I needed to know how she would move. That sounds very strange to be working from the movement with strictly the voice, but it really did make a difference for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's see. Um, ben, did you have anything to add to that in terms of visualizing? Do you visualize your characters a certain way? or? Yeah, like Care, I, I think Care for was the biggest one that I visualized. And, and for some reason, I don't know, this is kind of, I, I, I kind of pictured him as being really like grossly tall. Like just like somebody who would walk into a room and would have to bend his head down. Um, <laughs> and also that he'd have really long uh, fingernails, like he, you know, just doesn't, you know, never has, never has used a nail clipper. Oh, that's fascinating. I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> Ew, that's disgusting. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I, I, I did think of Carrefour as being super tall and like rail thin, just, you know, just, yeah. just, just this really sleek but stretched presence. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So you both thought that way. That's interesting. <laughs> um, okay. What does Wormwood, the town, look like in your mind? Is there a location, I guess, in the town uh, that's most vivid to you? Kind of look like Mayberry to me. <laughs> Little town, you know, building with two, you know, when Main Street, it has a cafe and a few other little things. And then, you know, a couple of old craftsman style houses or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe about five or six street, major streets and everything. And then there was like surrounded out, you know, right outside of town is the quarry. And then there was, the, you know, the theater in town. And, uh, you know, that hasn't been, hasn't had the movie in I don't know how long. And, you know, your, your typical, I don't know how to put this, other than your, your typical small, you know, less than 25,000 person town mm-hmm. from like that it was probably started to build in the 30s. And it's just been added on, but never taken down. That sounds about right. Does anybody else have any? There's there... a lot of dead trees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always I think of the uh, the the environment and the landscape more than the town usually. And I was thinking the gravel pit as a very ominous place outside the town. And I I always think of. Rolling hills with dead trees. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know why. That's what I think of it. No, that that that's. Have you ever been to Maine to the Katahdin by um, uh, Ironworks up there? 
It's a quarry outside of a of a of a town. Kitabugport. Mm. Opposite coast, but that same kind of feeling. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Very bleak. Anybody have a specific yeah. place like Deidre's Cafe or or the Sheriff's Station or the library that that just uh, they it, it, have visualized or Deidre's Cafe always came across to me as like two railroad cars that had been put together. <laughs> you know, to, to, to that kind of old fashioned diner kind of look that you know when you're driving along a dirt road and you pull off there's a gas station and a diner uh-huh. um, you know with the screen door and the you know the, the, the coffee always going in the front and uh, you know the, the, the old fashioned seats a few of them need repair you know the old swivel seats and everything your classic old style cafe kind of thing mm-hmm. you know like the library building is like the oldest building in town next to like you know there's a, a yeah. church down the street and things but the library you know big old stone building and everything and up the road a piece would be the hotel, you know, Hank Mason's place, which for some reason, I don't know why, but uh, the Bates Motel came to mind, <laughs> that one. I don't know why, but it did. You know, <laughs> he lived in the big house. Has anybody here ever been up to San Miguel, California? No, I sure haven't. Mm-hmm. It's, in the central, it's in the Central Coast. Yeah, there's an entire stretch of that that's abandoned. The biggest, mm-hmm. the biggest store is the uh, gra- Seed and Grain, One Street. Yeah, it's about a two-hour. It's about a two-hour drive from here, and there's 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 that feeling. It's just north of San Luis Obispo. Because mm-hmm. when you know, knowing that Wormwood is actually a small town in Northern California, <laughs> yeah. See, now I have a little in, in, inside knowledge into that because I did base it on the town that I grew up in, and it is sort of in the foothills. Um, if you've, you know, for anybody who's traveled in California, if you've headed, you know, um, towards Tahoe uh, from from Sacramento in that area, you've you've passed through the kind of town. Um, and, and the real town that is based on the town that I grew up in is a town called Penryn, and it is uh, much smaller than the actual town of Wormwood because there's no theater. In fact, there's a scene in, in episode one, season one, where Jimmy or, – or maybe it's episode two, but Jimmy is explaining to Crow – I think it's to Crow when he comes into town about Wormwood and he's saying that there's not even that it's really more of a village. There's not even any government <laughs> that that is Penryn. There was no that was a joke that my parents when we, we moved from San Jose from the Bay Area to, uh, to there when we were kids. And they were saying, like, well, there's not even a mayor. It's not an actual town. It's more like a village. There's no system of government. You know, there was a school board and an elementary school and a library, you know, and the and the librarian was married to the sheriff. Um and it was a big old granite building and everything like that. So that's all that's all really really accurate. But there wasn't much more. So we we really had to build it up more than that. And I think a lot of people picture what Rob said at the beginning was, you know, the town of maybe like 25,000 people and it's got, you know, a theater and it's got maybe a little downtown strip. Well, there's not even really that. It's these long winding roads uh, that go off into dirt roads. All the houses are tucked along dirt roads, you know, and there's there are the rolling hills that that uh, Peter's talking about. It's it's a lot of oak trees on them, so they're not really dead, but they're kind of yellowed and you know there's kind of brownish and yellow and and then um and then you got a lot of granite rocks just jutting up everywhere covered in moss and stuff like that so so yeah it's it's a bit it's a bit sparser than the than wormwood actually could be because we needed more things to be in wormwood (laughs) you know we needed more of a cafe with a hotel nearby with a sheriff station nearby and that kind of stuff so so uh yeah so i mean that that's kind of the reality but i mean i think what you guys described was pretty much what we set up with 
the show, you know, which which is just we kind of added things as we needed them or combined things as we needed them or whatever. That's some great world building. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely what we had to do as we went along. Um, let's see. I'm going to skip the question about the object because I don't think that we want to get into that too much. You guys don't even know, really. That actually ties into the next question, which is, are you privy to the Bible, the, sh- the series Bible they're referring to? Are there elements of the story that confuse or surprise you? So Constantly. <laughs> did we yes. ever give you guys the series Bible before we started? This would be specifically for Peter and uh, Rob and Sonia. Nope. No. Nothing, no. nothing about it. As a matter of fact, uh, we usually only got the scripts about a week before we started, so there was precious mm-hmm. background we could play with, mm-hmm. which I think kind of added to it because we got to create it while we were there. Yeah. I mean, we probably screwed you guys up with a few things here and there because, you know, we'd get our own ideas of something. And it's like, well, that's not the way I originally wrote it. <laughs> oh, that's the way it aired, so sorry. you got to change your Bible. We would tell you guys here and there, but a lot of the times, you know, it's that give and take thing where if you guys came up with something – and it didn't really ruin our Bible, you know, we'd go with it. Or there were a lot of things, as we kind of revealed in our last writer's discussion, um, you know, that we left a lot of room for interpretation of certain events. You know, we had, we had a blueprint, but we've got lots of room where we could make up things as we went along. So You guys write really, really good scripts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I know one of the, one of the questions, I'm probably going to jump ahead on this next question, which was the, the ad-libbing. You know, do we ad-lib? <laughs> we don't have to. I mean, there may be one or two little bits thrown in here and there, you know, just for, you know, to make us laugh a little bit. But no, your scripts are so good and so tight that if you just follow the script exactly the way it's written and with, the, you know, with everything else like that, they're really good episodes just by themselves. So, you know, I give you guys at least 85% of what the show is. I mean, yeah, we, we add our little bit because we're the, you know, what the audience hears. But what's coming out of our mouths is the stuff that you guys write, and that stuff's good. I mean, I have not, I, you know, I've shown these scripts to some people here and there, uh, the stuff that's already aired, obviously. Um, and they've looked at it and said, man, this is like a really good script. I said, tell me about it. It's why one of the things like, I love doing the show for. It's really well done, you know. I mean, <laughs> what if it was crap, but it's really well done. Here, here. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. Uh, yes, and- I agree. That's, um, yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that there is a little ad-libbing that goes on here and there, and I think a lot of it, sometimes I, I notice you guys will just tweak a line a little bit to make it more your own, just to make yeah. it a little more readable, um, mm-hmm. and then you'll maybe add in something. I, I know, uh, Peter, you've done that with Jimmy here and there, like add a little, little or, but a lot of time you'll even, if you want to, if you want to add something significant, you'll ask me first, you know? You'll yeah, like, hey. I, I add stuff sometimes <laughs> with Jimmy, and mostly it's to see if I can get you guys to giggle. Yeah. Or if I can get Sonia or Arthur to laugh oh. in the scene, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, you know, changing hard. a word here and there, like adding a word, it doesn't make us mad anymore like it used to. So we're, <laughs> Jeff, we're... Jeremy hasn't thrown a chair since season one. Nope. <laughs> oh, the chairs are bolted down now, but it's cool. Well, yeah, we did have to make that change. <clears throat> no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm all for people taking the parts and making them their own and changing, you know, changing things around a little bit if they have to. It's all, I mean, it, it's all part of, I mean, taking yeah. the character. I'd like to think it's a very collaborative process where you know, it, I really appreciate you guys saying that about the scripts and everything. But you know, it's one of those things where we'll always kind of, if you guys come to us and say like, you know. 
I want to add something here. I want to do this or that. We're usually pretty pretty good about it, unless unless there's a specific reason that we don't want to do it, you know. Right. And that's just that we had a superseding story idea that you know we didn't want to ruin or or anything like that. So um, yeah, I I know I did I did change. I felt bad one time. I changed the words uh, for Jimmy. For he did a song in an episode that Tiff, uh, Tiffany wrote, I think. And uh, it was based on a David Bowie song. Yeah. <laughs> and I just couldn't get, with the words that were in there, I couldn't get it. And I was trying to get a hold of her over Facebook and ask her if I could change the words. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And so I changed them. And I'm like, oh, and I thought I was golden. And then I get in there and do it. And I couldn't do it with the words I changed it to either. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one, yeah. I'm not a singer. so. <laughs> No, Jimmy, don't say it. No. <laughs> Jimmy's not really either, though. <laughs> That's true. He just doesn't know he's not a singer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what aspect of performing your character is the most difficult for you? Perhaps singing? Uh, no, I'm... <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, if anybody has an answer for that. Aspect of performing your character that's the most difficult for you? Whether it's a certain tone or... Uh, the register of your voice or maybe just emotions what is it sitting next to arthur when he's really going off <laughs> that's the hard part because you can't hear yourself um i don't mean to put the man down he's an excellent actor and i enjoy it but boy does he get into what he's doing wow <laughs> you know emotional is one thing but uh yeah no I, you know, I, one of the most difficult things that i find outside of occasionally forgetting whose voice i'm doing and change accents um is modulating my voice to get that to don't sound like I'm reading. You know, it's, it's like, you know, you've rehearsed it a few times and everything, but sometimes as you're doing it, in the back of my mind, it's going, I sound like I'm reading a script. I don't want to do that. I've got to try to do something that it doesn't, so that doesn't happen. And that's like, a, a, like an, an unconscious thought, but it's constantly there, is don't read. You're an actor. Act. Don't read. And I want to add to that 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 is one of the reasons that each of you were were chosen, you know, for your roles. Because Jeremy and I learned something really fast is that when you allow somebody to read from the script, many people start to read from the script. They 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 suddenly there's a podium in front of them. Yes, <laughs> if they had been forced to learn the lines, they would actually act them a lot better. I think if they memorized the lines, they're probably, I mean, because these are people that have acted in other things and and whatever, you know, I've, you know, they, they've done some good stuff, but you would let them read from the script and they would read. All of you guys in the audition, what you did for us was you showed us that you could sit there with the script in front of you and you could act it without feeling like you were reading it off the page. And I, and I think, you know, that's something crucial that Jeremy and I um, realized early on. Absolutely. Thank you. Do you. What is your favorite sound effect is a question here. Does anybody have a – from listening to the show? Because we don't do the sound effects as we're reading it or anything. So people should know that first. That's something that Jeremy and I add in later. So um, – Unless you, unless you want to count dog howls. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> no, won't do that. No, my, my favorite sound effect has always been and probably will always be when the muddy man was ripping somebody apart. Oh, yeah. Oh, what a great – that was – you just there, especially if you had headphones on and you're listening to it loud. It was like, oh, God, that's disgusting. <laughs> that the one time you had flies – 
in yes. a scene. Yes. A and they were buzzing around my head, and you had them going alternately one side to the other. That was the most annoying thing in the world, but it was perfect for the scene. Also, the one scene when uh, when Dr. Crow finds Sparrow, and he's walking, and then all of a sudden you hear he's walking in the blood. Ugh. Ooh, you guys... that's nice. That would be Jeremy editing that together. Yeah. yeah. That gave me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and, and, and we should definitely mention that uh, any time that Rob uh, has to do uh, Lil Abner, I'm going to count that as a sound effect, although maybe it's more of a character voice. I don't know. But... <laughs> I tend to think of it as a labor of love. <laughs> Either way, we sat there and he would, okay, now give us, um, he's scratching his hind legs. Okay, now he's um, barking at the moon. And, and, and Rob would just rattle off, you know, a series of sound effects. You did, <laughs> um, barks. Rob, you did a chipmunk exploding once. <laughs> yes, I did. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> I tried to forget about doing that, but it comes back to I mean, you, were, you were sipping the lake water, everything was all fine and good. Uh-huh. And then you and all of a sudden the chipmunk starts reacting. And, then it, <laughs> and I, I do remember that. Like I said, it was, it was a time and place that I don't think I could recreate again willfully. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you have to be there, basically, yeah. Or they can go back. Jeremy, you included that one, right? You you've got that one in the episode that you did. It, 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 it's in, it's in the episode. All yeah. right, we'll have to go it's, back and find that episode. I want to say it's like ten or something. It's, it's something uh, episode five, season two. Oh, I think. five, season two. Okay, there you go. <laughs> All right, so listeners can go back and listen to Rob Grinlinger. Did we credit him as the squirrel in that? We should probably go back and change that. <laughs> um, did okay, did we credit Rob as as the squirrel? Um, I think so. Exploded. I hope not. Um, <laughs> that's your claim to fame. Oh boy. The next question for the actors is: Has this been more of a learning experience or a fun experience? Is it more work or pleasure? Well, I hope it's pleasure. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's it's pleasure. definitely pleasure. Yeah. Actually, it's it's a little bit of both because uh, you. I mean, yeah, it's been a pleasure to do and so much fun. But I've also learned an awful lot. I mean, I mean, I've done voiceovers for years, but you, it was like walking into an environment that presented itself with all kinds of challenges, <clears throat> with all kinds of, you know, difficulties here and there, but every one of them was a new learning experience. I mean, look at you guys. When we first started out sitting there at the table and you're sitting there with the equipment saying, what does this button do? <laughs> Rob, we're not telling them about that. <laughs> Although yeah, I think they could probably like tell. Pro, you spin the knobs, you get it all done, da boom, boom, boom. Uh, yeah, definitely a learning experience. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has been from our part, too. <laughs> that goes without saying. Um, yeah. Um, does anyone want to add to that, or should I move on here? Hello? All right. Uh, <laughs> does your family listen to Wormwood, and what do they think? Uh, we, I, I, are we are Wormwood in here in this house, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got two of us. We got two of us here, so Wormwood has definitely taken over. <laughs> Anyone else? That's why I bought all the swag on the uh, <laughs> thing. I tried to get my parents to listen to Wormwood, but they could not figure out how to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have the same problem. My mom says, yeah. make me a CD. You know? Send me a CD. I'll listen to it. I said, Mom, you don't even know how to work the CD player. Don't oh, worry no about kidding. it. no kidding. She'll try to put it in the video, in the old VCR. You know. <laughs> But Peter, you said your girlfriend listens to it and she likes it. Yeah, she does. She listens to it a lot. We we listen to it a lot. 
we tend to listen to it in the car if we're driving like on a road trip or something and so we took a trip to Vegas last spring and listened to almost the whole season two. Nice. It seemed like together. She nice. gets really into it. I She was driving for part of it, and I had to tell her to pay attention to the road. <laughs> That's great. Nice, nice. Ben, how about you? Um, no, my parents, my, yeah, my, same with my parents. It's hard enough to get them to, you know, I'll send them an email, uh, you know, now and i won't get a response until like two months later <laughs> so uh okay how would you describe wormwood and your part in it to someone you've just met that's an interesting question i would play it for them like i would i i think that's the you know i would just say hey just listen to this you know mm-hmm yeah, I said I agree with you on that one. It's like you get them to form their own opinion. You send them the link, say here it is. You give it a listen sometime. I think you'll enjoy it. You know, I've had, I've had several people that have done that. They said, yeah, it was really kind of cool. Like a lot of my a lot of my my <laughs> I love this. My friends' kids who are college kids on the East Coast love to listen to Wormwood. You know, and they say, oh yeah, my dad told me about this thing. I listened to it. It's really cool. I said, thank you. I think. But uh, that's basically it. I mean, I've, like I said, I've tried sending a CD out of, of samples to someplace, and they go, what is this? I said, it's a podcast. It's cheap. It's free. You can just download it. Go, listen. <laughs> yeah, so. it's funny because I think there's a lot of loaded terms that are, are still kind of terms that people don't quite understand, which is, you know, if you say podcast, they have one perception, or maybe they don't even have a conception of what that is. Then there's audio drama. Uh, or mm-hmm. like a radio, like an old radio serial. If you say all these things, it brings a lot of each term is loaded in its own way. So I've noticed that I tend to say it's like a TV show without the picture, <laughs> you know. And and then I'll, I'll I'll expand on that further. But you know, I'll say like so if you like you know Twin Peaks or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or Supernatural, uh, you know shows like that, then 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 you probably like this. You know, listen to it in your car on a road trip. You know, things like that. I, so I knew it was one of those. It's like Fringe, but without the six fingered hand. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People X Files. I, I see a lot of people yeah, describe I, it that way. Yeah, that's what I usually tell them too. I usually say if you're into like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, even like True Blood, or Absolutely. if you're going for younger crowd, you can even throw in Twilight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing is that I tend to stick with other things that they like rather than say what it's what it is because there's a lot of misconceptions there because you hear old time radio serial and you assume it's going to be sort of campy or hokey or something like that. And really, our goal with it was to try and modernize that and and uh, and, uh, you know, keep it keep it like something that you'd see on TV now. So Mm -hmm. that tends to be what I do. Um, Let's see. Uh, I think we're on our last set of questions here, actually. So let's try and get through these. Meredith asks, what, if any, scenes were difficult to complete successfully uh, due to frustration, laughter, intricacy, or timing? Uh, well, I think we discussed that one yeah. already. Yeah. <laughs> we discussed one for Ben. Yeah. Anyone else have one that was just really hard to get through? Or I can't remember anything where anybody really struggled with the... Yeah, that the scene Laughing, that we... Yes. <laughs> Uh, the, well, yeah, the laugh. But I said the scene that we did last second season, where um, we all had to speak in Haitian accents. Oh, oh, oh right, right. You're, and you're Sonia didn't. Sonia didn't know about the Haitian accent until <laughs> until we started recording. I forgot about that. That was a crazy, crazy scene. <laughs> I forgot about that too. Where we were both possessed. 
and That's right. and Ben was doing his care for, and that was a that one was nuts. But I, was yeah, I remember that. I was yeah. Yeah, I remember that. It was the it was the culmination of Carrefour gets to Wormwood, Sparrow and Crow get to Worm, or Sparrow and Jimmy Details get to Wormwood, and then uh, Crow uh, uh, invokes uh, Papa Legba from the yeah. uh, Voodoo Loa. And, uh, and, yeah, uh, Papa Legba. Yeah. That <laughs> was the episode do. that you were calling Big Fight Scene, right? Yeah, Big Fight <laughs> That's Scene. That's one that I called Big Fight Scene because uh, the idea was that all these threads would converge into one giant fight scene, and, and I said, I want to write that one. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that that kind of leads me to a sub question of my own, which is, what do you do? You guys like it? What what's more fun as an actor when we're all like when it's the crazy, everyone's in the same room, and we're you know like sometimes we have people doubled up on microphones because we want to get a scene out with everyone in it. I'm thinking of things like that one, like the funeral for um, in season one. Um, What's her name's funeral where everyone's there at once? Or do you like the sort of one-on-one or, you know, maybe three people in a scene, the more intimate settings? What do you think is uh, more fun as an actor? I like the werewolf battles that we do. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's together in the room. We're all snarling and hissing and spitting on each other, trying desperately not to laugh. Those are fun. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the last thing we did, uh, the Hermit's Tale, when we were all doing the bizarre accents <laughs> of the, the Norsemen, that was up there with one of the funniest things I think we've done in a long time. It was hard not to laugh during that. <laughs> <laughs> we're all outside and it was still hard to... to <laughs> it looked pretty funny, silent. Um, okay, so we already answered the next question, which is how much, if any, of Wormwood's dialogue is ad-lib. We answered that. Is there any particular voice type or accent that you would love to use but haven't had the chance? <laughs> God, I think I feel like we've given you guys everything. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, I, I've, got an, I've got a whole arsenal left <laughs> season, trust me. He's all, you haven't given me a panda bear in heat yet. I can do that. I've got a voice. <laughs> Bryony's got at least 20 different voices that she could try. So it's, you know, we've got, we got a ways to go. Wow. So I may have done 24 voices in this show so far, and only a few of them are vaguely similar. Uh, i got about 24 more to go. <laughs> you guys haven't even thought about yet. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. All right, here's a crazy question. I don't know if we'll be able to answer this one, but let's see if you guys have any ideas. If you had to select a theme song for your character, what would you use? Have you ever thought about that? I haven't really thought about that for the characters. Like Sparrow, what's her theme song? Jimmy, what's his theme song? It had to be something by uh, Anthrax or Slayer or something. I don't know. Well, we know Wayne Drexel's would be Eye of the Tiger. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice one. <laughs> Hmm. I like Snot Bubble. <laughs> oh man! First season. Oh. I think I think, Ced- I think Cedric Bloomington's would have been the old uh, "You Are My Sunshine" done by the uh, soggy the soggy bottom boys from Oh Brother Where Art Thou. <laughs> that sounds like the kind of thing he would really get into. I think Bishop Grail secretly listens to Enigma. Yeah. <laughs> I think Miss Ginter listens to Leslie Gore. <laughs> Definitely 50s uh, girl bands. <laughs> the Ronettes, the Shirelles. I know Sheriff Bradley listens to Foreigner, but only in the car when he's by himself. He rocks out. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> 
air guitar. Oh yeah. I bet Jimmy has some sort of guilty pleasure song that is oh, shit, like fame. Yeah, or yeah, some some <laughs> really popular song. Something no, like by Barbara, Celine something Dion by or something. Yeah. <laughs> Question song by Barbara Mandrell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something that he feels encapsulates his emotions. He's just full of emotion and it's uh, something that makes him cry. Honey by Bobby Goldsboro. <laughs> Ouch. If you can figure out what that song is, Peter, we'll try and work it into the final uh, series and we'll have a scene where he's just crying and, you know, do you know it's do like you know, Desperado on that Seinfeld episode. Yeah. <laughs> do you know, watching Scotty grow, gonna watch him shine. Do you know that song, <laughs> Mac Davis? I know it, yeah. <laughs> That's what All he of Wormwood is Whoa. Ventilator Blues. <laughs> Rolling Stones Ventilator Blues describes Wormwood to a T. Yep. And the final question for the actors. This is an important one, so listen close. Have you ever eaten a Hot Pocket without adhering to the one-minute cooling period? <laughs> yes, I, I've done it repeatedly. I, I unfortunately couldn't could burn my lips on. <laughs> <laughs> Joe is here. <laughs> so, I, I'm sitting here with, with Miss Ginter. <laughs> All right, so we've answered all the questions. Um, thank you guys for uh, for joining us for this. Um, I want to go around one more time, and I just want to, if you guys have anything, any last words you want to say, anything you want to plug, kind of your forum right here to just say whatever you want to say. So uh, let's start with Sonia. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to come back to you? <laughs> do you need more time to prepare? No, I didn't tell you I was going to do this. I can come back to you. It's all right. Peter. Yeah, come back to me. We already thing. pimped Peter's website, IHateYouPeter.com, um, in a pre in the previous uh, installment of our postmortem. <laughs> that just came up randomly too, Peter. Oh, hold on. Can okay. you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you. Hear me? Okay, sorry, my mic went out or something, or my my headphones went out. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, so do you have any any last words you want to say to the listeners? Anything you want to plug? Sure, I'll plug. Watch uh, watch Wizards of Waverly Place on the Disney Channel. I've written a couple episodes of that show, and uh, the kids love it. Nice. Cool. We, we watch it here all the time. <laughs> we don't have kids. <laughs> ben, anything you want to add or anything um, you want to plug? Yeah, nothing to plug, but I just want to say uh, thank you to both you and Jeremy for um, and the, the other writers for putting together such a great um, show and I'm very really glad to be part of it. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're trying to upstage us, Ben. You're trying to be <laughs> gracious. I'm just trying to spread the love, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob yeah. and Bryony, any any last thing you guys want to say or anything you want to plug? No, just I'm just looking forward to next season, having fun, enjoying it, relaxing. You know, what do you, what do you want? I'm an old man. I'm sitting up here on a hill by myself. Yeah, thank yes. you for letting me become a part of this it's really really been fun oh we've got some good stuff coming for you yeah especially, cool. especially now that she's involved with it i don't have to explain things anymore <laughs> it's her own copy of the script we're 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 in the process of writing wormwood revelation which is the final series right now and so that one we you know we're we're underway with that and there's some great stuff in there 
I mean, there's so much material coming out that we were even discussing this last week about a possible like offshoot novella that we might have to put out with one episode uh, to cover uh, uh, a particular character, and I won't reveal it here, but it's one that Rob plays. Uh, you know, just to cover, you know, just to really encapsulate, uh, uh, you know, the 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 end of uh, of a certain arc. That's all I'll say. Tell, tell me, it's the Julian calendar. <laughs> it, it's the nothing. It's the chipmunk. Yes, I got it. It's called Ballad of Exploding Chipmunk. If that helps. Or fan fiction for you guys. That's what I've got to do. <laughs> <laughs> We should do a Wormwood fan fiction uh, contest and everything. Yes! That's the last. Um, okay, Sonia, you're up now. Did you have time oh, to scribble yes, down I'm, some notes? No, you know what? I just, yeah, this has been such a great experience. I don't, you know, I don't have anything to plug, um, but uh, I don't know. I love Wormwood. I love, I've loved being a part of it from the beginning, and I'm kind of bummed it's got to come to an end because there's such fun characters and roles to play. But, uh Yeah. I guess that's it. I suppose if you guys are in Northern California and you happen to be in a town called Petaluma, go check out Graziano's Restaurant. What's the name of the restaurant? <laughs> Graziano's Restaurant. Graziano's Restaurant? Yeah. All right, in Petaluma. All right. In Petaluma. That's a plug. That'll count. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out and uh, answering a whole bunch of questions. So I hope you guys had fun. And uh, yeah. we will be in touch with you uh, very soon for more Wormwood. And uh, we'll get together in a little bit and do that. So thank you guys again for coming. And yeah, uh, Jeremy, thanks, thanks for uh, sitting in with me here. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So we've, Jeremy and I, you, we've got to get we, we've got to get back to some writing, right? You know, I, I, I stayed home and I wrote all day yesterday. So nice. I've got a lot of new stuff to, to, to send out. Excellent. Excellent. All right, that sounds good. All right, well, thank you, everybody, and uh, I'd like to thank the listeners uh, for making this show happen. This one in particular was one that you requested. If you want to hear more, if you want more from the actors, if you want me to try and get different actors on the line, if you want us to do more stuff in the off-season while we're preparing Wormwood Revelations, let us know what you'd like to hear, what you'd like to see. Uh, you know, there's a possibility for more fiction, things like that, that we could do. Let us know. Uh, in the meantime, just keep your eye on this feed, and uh, we'll be bringing you some more information very soon. So this is David Acampo signing out. Bye.